getting back to our Steve Martin Station. conversation, is is there a chance that Steve Martin is being being John Malkoviched, where he abruptly ends his career in acting and then takes up a completely different creative career? Uh, Are there five people living inside Steve Martin's head? <laughs> That's what happened to... I don't see it. What's his hmm. face? Uh, there will be blood. What is Which his one is that? Name? Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah, Daniel day He, like, quit acting for a while and became a shoe cobbler after he learned to cobble for, like, a, a movie role. I think it's more... Um, more of a creative thing, right? I think creative people get to a point in any medium that they're in where they might feel like they've hit a wall where they're just repeating what they've done or they might feel like they don't have anything left to say in that medium. So then they, like, venture into a different talent or hobby. And, like, Steve Martin, like, he does the banjo bluegrass stuff, right? He does, like, the comedy. He does, like, stand-up shows still, like, tours around, does theater. He apparently has like a fucking art gallery and is like big into modern art and is like a connoisseur dropping names left and right like he knows his shit so I, I don't know I think he's just I, I, that's kind of I don't know it's I feel like a lot of creatives kind of have their their fingers in all kinds of the the different pools if you if you will yeah I think we're used to My people thoughts. that like <laughs> do their job for their entire life their same career and then there's like folks like who want to dabble and you know for a decade they're doing this and for a decade they're doing something else and just kind of switching between different activities and some of those people are hyper talented like steve martin and can just like knock it out of the park with each new thing they pick up yeah or uh donald glover uh, a more recent, newer one who acts, sings, does stand-up comedy, like fucking everything, mm-hmm. everything. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's it's all interesting. There's a study that showed um the one job career is strictly a boomer thing. Statistically, it's on its way out, and that is not what the majority of people do anymore. They will not stick with a company for more than. X amount of years. I don't remember what it was in the, the, the study I read, but it was single digits. And that is just not <clears throat> how it was. It's evolved so much from then. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And then there are people like Jean Claude Van Damme who <laughs> just excel for their entire 40 year acting careers. No droppage in production or quality. I can't tell if you're being <laughs> ironic or unironic, Phil, so this is going to make this episode very fun. Jean, Jean-Claude has the, uh, he was smart enough that he leaned into the meme mm-hmm. of himself and... Did he? Yeah. I know he did with the JCVD, because that's one of the few Jean-Claude Van Damme movies I've seen, but did he do that beforehand? No, I just mean in like, like general... Are truck thing? As he, yeah, as he is now, like he just... He understands the meme of what Jean-Claude Van Damme is, I think, and sort of... I mean, I sent you guys that gif of him doing the splits and playing the bongos and the pan flutes and everything else. So I think <laughs> I think he's in, in on the joke at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. <clears throat> it's... I don't know. It's good, I guess, but also kind of like... I don't know. We're talking about, like, the creative person, right? 
And I feel kind of sad for the Jean-Claude Van Damme type who's like, hey man, shut up and do your splits. And like, that's all people want from him. And so like, they're put into that role. And like, I saw J- the JCVD motherfucker can actually act when given like his own language and material in a chance. Mm-hmm. But and not Hollywood, America doesn't want that. Entire mind. He's, he was, he had a bad cocaine habit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Laura looked up the stats on this. Uh, he went through $10,000 a week in coke. I remember reading a I story like about... thousand. I remember reading a story about him doing Street Fighter, where he was yeah. just on blow and banging Kylie Minogue between, like, every shoot and just <laughs> completely on a Thailand bender for the whole mm-hmm. shoot. Um, I think that's what I've always I heard. I think the late '90s, um, <laughs> l- like the previous episode I was on with uh, about Polly Shore, I think um, I think <laughs> he went pretty hard and had a pretty precipitous fall. But unlike Polly Shore, he's got some talent to back that up and and kind of help with that little mini resurgence he's made. Mm-hmm. Polly, I, mean, Sh- I think, yeah. Sorry, Polly Shore was just sad researching that and like listening to interviews <laughs> interviews of him like being really like sadly nostalgic for how fun his 20 were his 20s were and like never uh, being able to reach those peaks again and him just being like kind of despondent about the whole whole thing um that was a that was a bummer to kind of research i think that's well that's why okay. jean claude maybe came out a little better too cuz like i said he sort of leaned into the meme whereas Polly shore is the meme like you can't I don't know how you you lean more into being Polly Shore than yeah, what you already wrong. had, right? Yeah, it's like Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau can't do anything about it because Tommy Wiseau is the meme. And then once that meme's run its course, it's run its course. Yeah, sorry, you're gang- and that's why <laughs> you're Gangnam Style. You're the Macarena. You had your yeah, yeah. You had your fifteen minutes. Please leave now. That's it. That's it exactly. Uh Here's a question I, I would like to ask both of you. I think I've briefly discussed it, and I vaguely know about Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 great art of karate. Uh, I know that I took karate from the boys' club, and it was uh, a highly influenced decision in part by this movie and, of course, the Ninja Turtles movies. Mm. Uh, Phil, did you do anything like that? Did you do karate or there was a two year two-year stretch where in like middle school where i took kempo lessons we had just a a kind of traveling guest instructor for pe that you know did some you know a week or two of martial arts with us and i thought that was fun and and joined their dojo and you know it was kind of like physical exercises and doing katas and you know there wasn't yeah. a whole lot to keep me super interested i never got above i never got above a white belt i just stayed there for like two years and then (laughs) in high school and that might have been like way longer than i actually it actually think it was it may have been maybe a year or less but once high school hit and other athletic opportunities like the ski team were available i kind of ditched martial arts and uh went to the mountain twice a week so a much better decision. I a feel. much better decision. Um, Skiing was much uh, more fun. 
I always remember the kids that were super into martial arts in high school, and they were always on that weird edge. Like, explain. They just took it very seriously and almost like yes. Uh, yeah, we're just weirdos about it, and they like, were almost <clears throat> like the hall monitors on crack. <laughs> to a degree, yeah, they were just very not cool and uh <laughs> not cool they're a bunch of i don't know they just this this is why i wanted you to get very specific about kyle exactly what, what do you mean because it was very vague at first and now i'm getting a very different idea <laughs> it's weird it's it's hard to describe they were just the awkward kids that i feel nowadays would probably be the anime kids mm. but these dudes were just super into martial arts and uh, I remember one kid like always wore mm-hmm. his uh his like the karate pants to school every day like he was a uh, a real martial artist that might have to fight at any time and uh like every day wore him to school. I remember that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I don't know, that's just that's weird to me. Maybe it's not. Were you guys into martial arts movies growing up? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because that's kind of what this this is. Like, I was thinking about this after watching Bloodsport for the third time in December. Yeah. And <laughs> Enter the Dragon. It's like, there is this a, is this actually an action movie? Because there aren't any guns. It's all, like, the, the most gun-like weapon are a couple of primitive-looking t- tasers. Weird-ass tasers, man. Yeah, they're like, they're like, cubic... They're like cubes with a handle on them, which I'd yeah. never seen before. I think it counts. They look like toasters almost. I think it almost. totally counts. Totally, totally counts as an action movie, even if there's not guns. I don't think that's a qualifier. I don't think you have to have a gun. Are all martial arts movies that's action said, movies, or is it kind of like a a rectangle, or a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square sort of thing? I think, I think it's like, they are action movies. They're just the, a different taste of action movies. Mm. A yeah. different flavor. Like there's different there was, movies like there's different animes, but there's a lot of different genres within anime. Yeah. I wouldn't know because I was not that karate kid at Kyle's school. <laughs> so I don't know about that. I was gonna say it's it's like the Supreme Court's definition of pornography. I can't really define it, but I know it when I see it. Like a different between a martial arts and an action movie, I feel. Yeah. Who used that? Fucking art quote. <laughs> that's the Supreme Court I for think. pornography. What? That's the that's the famous Thurgood Marshall uh, quote, isn't it? On yeah, he he'll, I think was that on the um, the Hustler trial. Mm-hmm. I believe so. With Larry Flint, is I'm that for sure. real? Yeah, yeah, he said yeah. He, he doesn't know what obscenity is, but like, or at least I forget the the exact quote. But yeah, it's a, it's about obscenity. Like, the difference between so pornography and that art. Shit off. He can't describe it, but he he knows it when he sees it. Like, huh? Which is a, a that was yeah. In retrospect, is a, a tough argument to make when you're defining the law. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's a terrible yeah. argument. It's bullshit. Yeah, that's not good. That's why it's art. It's okay when you, you use that the way it's supposed to be. It's I don't know art or d- how to define art, but I know it when I see it because it's subjective. Mm-hmm. The law is not supposed to be subjective. Um, I don't know that obvious, obvious shit, but it feels like it could be uh, repeated. Feels like it might be useful to be heard <laughs> every now and then. 
Especially about pornography. Yes, that's the <laughs> takeaway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fantastic. So, I don't know. I, I watched this movie a lot as a kid, right? I And I know Phil did, too. Yeah. And... Ryan? This... I don't know if Ryan did. You didn't... Fuck, uh, no. No? Nah. No. I, I, uh, Phil, I don't know if you know me very well, but um, anything the typical boy or child did, I did the opposite. I... Laura and I were talking about this. Uh, What's that? Like kiss a girl? Did not. Yeah, definitely did not kiss a girl (laughs) for a long time. That's that's for sure. Um, No, but like the um, it's uh, the big muscle men, right? Like He Man, GI Joe, like that kind of shit. Never into Ninja Turtles. Yes, weird shit like the off stuff, but like the the Macho Man, like rah-rah kind of kickboxer like Laura was saying like she remembered growing up and like her little brother like had his shirt off and do like little kicks let out little kicks when like the John claude Van Damme montage would start happening and just like <laughs> which into, one? Like, this this movie is nothing but montages. Anything. <laughs> I know yeah which one? It, one of them maybe all of them. All of them was just like this signal call to start letting out your kicks. <laughs> Hell yeah you gotta get them kicks out. I think that's, um, but I just, I was like, I reflected. I never had that as a kid with, with any kind of movie, especially John Claude Van Damme or like a Sylvester Stallone type. Just was not my speed. I think that's what drew me to Van Damme was that he was kind of a, a slightly different version of that 80s Arnold, sly, super huge muscular dude. He was a more svelte and agile. Um, like a puma guy, yeah. Say, uh, more empathetic, not all about machismo. Yeah, there has the muscle in the force, but not like a total like muscle. He's also head. got the heart. He's got the heart. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I kind of, I went into this movie not thinking I was going to enjoy it or have any good takeaways, but I'll say I kind of fell in love with Jean Claude Van Damme a little bit in it he's, he's really guy. really good and charismatic is he's he a great guy. actor no but he's very very charismatic and engaging i will say i think i remember two things that phil and i bonded about early on as just dudes meeting on the internet was uh, an appreciation of chong lee Mm-hmm. And an appreciation of the uh, the air arm wrestling scene in Predator, which we had just talked about in the last episode. Oh, and I think God. the first time we met in person, we did that, yeah. I believe, at, in Louisville. That was like our... Not nearly as much pump involved in, in our no, version no, of it. No, not at all. It was much more pathetic. <laughs> you guys should have used your practice arms. <laughs> then it could have been good. But no, like, so I, that's one thing I remember as a kid about this movie is, like, the villain in this movie is jacked. Oh, man. And I remember. Oh, man. Oh, rem- Big China? Yeah. Big China and Big America fighting <laughs> each other. This is like, even peak, though he's actually. I loved it. Peak 80s steroid era. <laughs> and. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Bolo Young is absolutely. And I, that's, it, it makes for a really intimidating, um, antagonist one that's that's not in the movie very much and can really i 
I counted the number of words that Chong Lee says, and um, it's 24. He's got four lines in the whole movie. He's got, like, ten minutes of screen time. He really... He does a lot with a little, and I think that... Oh, man, he really does. intimidating physique is a big, big part of it. Oh, I think his face, too. The dude yeah. makes a great fucking mean face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he comes out, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and he, like, opens his fucking eyes and just, like, <laughs> ah! It is, it is, it's intense. It's great. It's good fucking pure 80s cinema. He's good. <laughs> it's a good, good battle between facial expressions with Van Damme and them, because they're both oh, going man. for it hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the cheesy over over emotioned faces. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's in so good. Slow mo. It's so good. In slow mo at that is mm. I think the uh the thing I appreciated noticing the first time was uh that they got a kid with the same broken English as Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> to play the younger mm. version of him. That's uh <laughs> it's he, he yes, he has broken English Kind of, he he has an accent like Van Damme. He does not have Van Damme's accent. He does not have. That's it. He does not have an <laughs> accent that I would identify as um, Belgian. Anything. I've never like. I don't know what that was, but <laughs> it was very weird. But it definitely. I was like, oh hey, at least uh, he he doesn't have perfect English. And then we get to adult Jean Claude Van Damme who can't speak like that. Like that's a nice. Little continuity touch. That was I, oh, I re- but you picked like. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I had remarked to my to my wife, my wife, that um, she that this was a good testament to how good the child acting has come in thirty years. Yes, because both both young Van Damme and both young Shingo Tanaka are uh, not good, and it, it's it's a. No, it's a film that was a one point five million dollar budget. Like it's it's not going to have fantastic child acting for kids with two lines in it. But it's still just like <laughs> wow. I think you said was five. I, I it went less than that, right? Wasn't it one down in one point like five? One point five. Right. Yeah, it was super cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. I was just going to say, I cannot believe you're pointing out the continuity. And I was going to say, like, the one thing I noted was how clearly this kid was not John claude Van Damme. <laughs> they didn't look so... <laughs> nothing alike. Yeah. Nothing, not even close. Like, you could you could pick 20 kids blindfolded that could be better match for John claude Van Damme than this kid was. It was insane, the pick. It was real bad. <laughs> Phil, you and as the kid, uh, it, not good acting, but just like the whole sword scene. I'm like, this kid's a bumbling idiot. Yeah. Like, how does he become John Claude Van Damme? He's just like, oh, slack John as like <laughs> the who is it? Shin Shin Shingo. Shin, Shin Shingo comes out and just like kicks him out of nowhere. He's just like <laughs> standing there waiting for it. It's oh, but yet this guy becomes the champion of blood sport. You wait. You wait. <laughs> Phil, you as the, uh, the sports guy, did you notice anything odd about his wardrobe as a youngster? Uh, he likes the Giants, regardless yeah. of what city they're from. <laughs> or, or what coast, even. <laughs> San Francisco oh. Giants, New York Giants. Um, he wears them all. He's just like, I, it, it, it's as if the there's that 
scene in The Simpsons where Apu tries to be American and just wears all the random sports, sports. Go- gear. Yeah. And this is essentially this. It's like, here we, we want to make this kid try to be American, so let's give him a <laughs> bunch of sports uh, shirts, re- sports wear, regardless of, of how they match up. I think it was just some kid that they found over in Hong Kong, where I'm pretty sure they shot this for super cheap. Yeah, they shot like, it. Hey. They shot it in the Walled City. I, I, they, I looked that up. They actually shot shot it in Kowloon, which is super rare, I think. Yeah, yeah, and that what that got torn down in like '93, anyways. Yeah. Oh no way! None, yeah. none of this is real, by the way. Despite what the oh yeah the movie says, <laughs> um, and there's there's a fun like. Because this is spo- supposedly what, based on a. What do you mean? None of none of this is real. So this game, the Kumata Kumataj or whatever, like the entire story. Kumate. There's Kumate. Yeah. There's the truth, and then there's the truth, and and mm-hmm. one is like the movie version where they kind of put things in for drama, and then there's what the actual Frank Dukes, who who is the, the person that Jean-Claude is, is playing, um, mm-hmm. supposedly did. And there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of publications out there calling in to question everything that that he said um about these incidents. That Frank Dukes himself said or that yeah. John Claude okay, okay. Yeah, Frank Dukes. He's interesting. He, so at the end of the movie, it says he he has like a record for fifty six knockouts in one tournament. Which somebody yeah. did the math on that, and for like that to have happened, that would have had to have been like seventy two trillion people fighting in that tournament for it to mathematically uh-huh. work out if it's in a, a single elimination. In single elimination, so they show they show hmm. eight fights in the, in the film that Van Dam does, which is like I think it's two hundred and six, two hundred and fifty six. Uh, person tournament if he if he fought all eight of those in single elimination format but well, we don't mm. see 256 people <laughs> no we yeah. see about we see about 30 people in the stands behind them um mm-hmm. but and about like eight fighters i feel there's yeah there's a there's a few like named ones that they keep coming up that that is there's one thing i really don't that that bothers me about sports movies is when they don't really take the the mechanics of the sport, be it a a shot clock or a quarter or or a play or whatever, uh, seriously, and they do they have three days of of tournament fighting at the Kumite, and mm-hmm. as guys get eliminated, you kind of you can piece together what the bracket looks like and who is fighting what down to when they're on the final day and they're in the semifinals, and you're like, oh, I've seen I've seen this. Um, this yeah. this white Muay Thai fighter a bunch of times that Van Damme's facing in the in the semifinals, and I've seen the karate master that Chong Lee is fighting in the semifinals a bunch of times as well. So um, I, I feel it does a pretty pretty decent job of of um, simulating a a martial arts tournament in what they were trying to do. It, it's fun. It's fun to watch. I- Agreed. Though I wanna, I wanna harp on that point uh, you brought up about like uh, not not enjoying it in any kind of sports movies when they don't adhere to the mechanics or they set up rules and then don't follow it. Because I'm with you in everything you said. I was down with the mechanics. I thought everything was really good up until the final fight. 
and maybe we don't want to get into spoilers so quick, but like it's Chong Lee, it's Chong, of course, versus Jean Claude Van Damme fighting. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Um, and at one point, Chong very clearly and apparent to everybody fucking there throws shit in Jean Claude Van Damme's eyes to blind him. And then Jean Claude Van Damme is so fucking clearly blinded the way he is playing it up. Like, I, I like is for 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 the Kumite, which is I, I'm sure like a very elite, prestigious thing where they only send out invitations to the most prestigious and the best. Where like honor is the thing when this person dies. Like it makes me ask, like one, how did Chong Li and his fool ass get invited if he's so disrespectful and like this bad boy problem child? Two, why is nobody taking this blinding seriously and just letting the fight go? Three, <laughs> like I, I mean, I, I don't want to keep going. You get my point. They have yeah. a, re- they have a referee there. What is the point of the referee if not to stop also, you from blinding your? Not opponent? only that, but Chong Lee used the referee twice to interfere in that same fight. <laughs> because like, presumably, if if Franks were to hit the referee, he'd be out. Because like, there's this moment of tension where he goes to hit and realizes the ref like real quick, and he's like, no, 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 you're okay. <laughs> and then he he starts passing him like that he's also like, so in tune with his body he recognizes it as, as, that clearly is the this ref by being blind. who is being thrown around sees like this dude's fucking blind and mm-hmm. like Chong Lee is using him like <laughs> it, it It just it's it's all fucking good and sound as far as like you know karate tournament movies go logic wise up until the final fight and then like arguably like the most important fight of the movie it's just like well fuck it whatever happens happens the refs, Let's just make it a spectacle. The ref's like, this is just good gamesmanship, man. You know, I, I yeah. can only applaud how how crafty this this is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a real underdog story from the most jacked man I've seen mm-hmm. in my entire yeah. life, and who's killed Oof. three people in front of me. Uh, he, I'm just gonna let him get away with this one. You gotta. There, there's a bit of sportsmanship with Chong Lee. He gives Van Dam a moment to collect himself and scream in anguish and then have a good solid flash black flashback for 30 seconds before he he tries to land a strike on him during all that so yeah he well, allows him to completely get re recentered and zend out completely while I'm he's going, fucking gloating yeah. off in the corner this movie is filled with like the Oberyn martell game of thrones like somebody's down let me stand here and gloat oh wait my fortune's turned all of a sudden, what happened? Oh, could it have been that I stood here and showboated? Huh. Yeah. That's uh, this fucking movie. There's so many matches <laughs> like that. I'm going to use your, your your segue for the flashback yeah. to, to talk about this this flashback that we first encountered young Jean-Claude Van Damme because I wrote it in my notes. Wow, long-ass flashback. Long. And came to find out this is actually the world record for longest flashback in a movie. 11 and a half no, minutes. Still? Just, yep, still. Just still a is. massive Whoa. chunk in like the first third <laughs> of the movie is he walks into his sensei's home <laughs> and he remembers, for 11 minutes. remembers everything about the sword being stolen <laughs> and about Shingo's death and about training <laughs> And it just goes on, and it's great. I I love the flashback. Ooh. I I know like the child acting is terrible, but I love a good 
training sequence montage it's yeah training montage a lot of them in too. a movie full of montage it starts out with a montage of all the fighters then we get the training montage we get two days mm-hmm. of montages we get the sad montage when his friend's been injured and we can get to that later but this is <laughs> i think this is part of what makes the movie really fun to watch is it's it's super easy to digest because there's so many yes. action montages going on and it, yeah. it gives you a lot of information in that like this whole it's so over the top and exposition dumpy, but you understand everything that's going on in this flashback and it's set up everything in this movie for his completely normal looking father who hasn't aged to just lie on a bed <laughs> and die, I guess. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. So before you one, I think fantastic trivia. Thank you for bringing that. That's I love that. This is the fucking longest um, and I was going to have this complaint before you brought it up, okay. but like my issue with the movie is that first like 20 minutes. I feel that first 20 minutes fucking drags and takes forever to get to the point because it is just like a flashback exposition dump. And looking <laughs> yeah. back, I kind of, I kind of appreciate that they get it done and out of the way. And then just, you really do have a good solid hour after that of just like the meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. which is nice. But I also, like, it's real fucking clunky, and it makes for, like, especially the first viewing experience, like, I was not feeling this movie at all in the first 20 minutes. And then we get Big America, and Big America, and, like, his quick little turn, I was like, they're doing something interesting here, because I expected this guy to be the fucking dick. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna be like the rival and That's throw John Claude Van Damme through the arcade? Donald Gibbs. Yeah. Yeah. He turns into Jackson. Oh, you mean I only know him from Nerds! <laughs> Ogre? Ogre. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know him. Has he has he done much else besides Ogre in this movie? Because that's that's it for my reference for him. I remember him in a commercial for like Simon Malls, which is Oof. the they own the Bloomington Mall. And they Oof. played commercials for a while, and he was in one of those. And I was like, "Man, that's the dude from from Bloodsport." So it was him, like later on in his career, like yeah, but 20, he still 30 looked, years. He down. still looked exactly the same, and he was still playing the biker guy. Like, I mean, okay, I mean, he made like him a, some money, I assume. He made like a twenty-year career out of it. I'm looking over at his uh, IMDb page, and he did a lot of solid work up until about 2010. So, good on nice. him. Okay, good on him. Good on him. Um, good on him. But yeah, he's 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 a fun. I like I like him as a as a buddy slash. He's really good comedic. Someone relief in to this fight flick. for. Yeah, he turns into yeah. like the inspiration. There's there's always in all these action movies. There's always got to be a a dying sensei or an injured friend or in this case both that the main characters got to got to fight for. <laughs> um, we get an awesome song about what to fight for, too. <laughs> fight for love. What's... With all your heart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> These songs. Oh, man. What? All right, so we're jumping around a little bit. I, yeah. I have, I have, I have Thank notes you. for this, give so a, give I, a, I came prepared. Get us, get us some structure to this, because we are kind of like free-form what? conversation here with all this. So back... We're, we're back so these That's were how it's going to go, man. They are... It is going to go that way, but like another thing, I, I appreciate. His notes are going to be free form too. <laughs> is that once, uh, once the Japanese sun dies, 
Jean-Claude Van Damme just essentially says, fuck my family, I'll come live with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just starts hanging out with this dude. Well, he's <laughs> a hoodlum. He has no family. He's on the streets. He's a ruffian. <laughs> his, his, I think yes. that's kind of like... I got the impression that, where, that he didn't have a terrible home life. They introduce... They introduced the he dad has, briefly as a as a grape grower, as like a vine grower. Yeah, they moved there. Yeah, he owns a winery. But he the certainly has oh, giant that's true. You never you do never see the dad again though. It's just like No. It's just like Maybe it's just like hanging with Mr. Cooper. Like he just goes over there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just my after my second dad. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hang out with my second dad. I'm gonna go get beaten up by uh, this old Japanese dude. I'll see uh see you at uh, dinner time. He's gonna. I'm gonna go stretch, and he's, he's gonna, gonna beat me with sticks. He's gonna beat me with sticks and stretch my legs to the point that, you know, he's gonna put me in a weird BDSM machine. But it's not sexual, Dad. I promise, it's not sexual. Yes, so my, glad you my said limbs BDSM. are restrained, and we both have erections, but it's not sexual, Dad. What did you? What did you guys? Yep. What did you guys think about the uh, about Senzo Tanaka, the 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 sensei? BDSM I mean, pretty much hitting nail on the head. Yeah, he, he, I think it's such a weird, weird role, and it's, I don't know, it's very tropey. It's very. That's it. It's, it's it gets it's, the what, job done. The mystical old Asian oh. fellow. It's the role that's. It, I don't know. Do you like? It, it's just. Let me ask you this: Do you like your? Meh. Do you like your your sensei to be? The serious type, saying. like Tanaka, uh, or do you like a more lighthearted, more comedic one, like the uh, the trainer in Kickboxer or the trainer in Sidekicks? Miyagi like, kind of Miyagi does a little stuff, bit of both, yeah. I feel. But like, I, what are your thoughts? I kind of, I kind of gravitate towards the more the more funny sensei who can be serious rather than the strictly serious one that we have here. I kind of agree with you, but then on the other hand, like, I feel my favorite sort of sensei role is filled by Mick from the Rocky universe, and he's always sort of a serious character, I feel. Yeah. So, I don't know, I, I guess I go, I lean towards that. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the movie. I typically lean towards the, the, I think Mr. Miyagi is great. I'm glad you brought him up. I think he's perfect because there's a good balance. I think you need a little bit of that strict structure because that's inherent to like martial arts and discipline and like the Eastern fucking way. Like that's, that's kind of needed to a bit. But that said, I think you need, you need to be able to see the heart and the connection and the reason why you would be there. I have no, no fucking idea why John Claude Van Damme would keep going to just get the kick shit out of him by like, this kid, this kid's dad, like, it just seems like a bad situation. Yeah. It de- I, this movie does not, like, I can get it because context clues and, like, I, other stories, like, I can understand, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme's getting structure and he's getting discipline and he's getting his life. To- so, like, there are things he's getting from this, but the movie doesn't show you any of this. It just shows you him getting beat. And beat real good so he can put up a fight later on. And I don't know. I, I like a little, like I said, a little bit more heart, a little bit more connection with the teacher. When, and it's just, that's, meh. When the teacher chokes up a little bit when he's talking about the the tradition passing from father to son, 
that's like that's my favorite part of of his whole <laughs> acting. He gets like this little bit of like lump in his throat when he's talking to uh-huh. Van Damme, and it's just like it, it still gets me after like the fiftieth viewing. I'm I'm really ah. Oh. It's a nice. T- love- it's a nice touch. I like them. I like the guy. It, see, that didn't resonate nice. with me, but I always like. There's always like movies with little things like that. that I feel like only I notice and identify with, mm-hmm. and I, I always like that when yeah. uh, you can get something out of them that. Yeah, I like again. I'm, next time I watch this, I will look out for uh, his little lump in the throat performance. And did you the- ever, Phil? Did you ever have a? Um- not necessarily with karate or anything, but like a teacher or an instructor or somebody else in your life who wasn't a parent that you looked up to in the same kind of way. And like this triggers something like nostalgia wise. Cause like maybe like the reason like it does nothing for me because I had nobody ever believe in me. So thus I'm <laughs> dead inside and I can't feel. But like, do you? <laughs> I had a few good, like I didn't grow up with a father, so I had a few teachers, um, mentors when I was younger who, like in elementary school, who had some impact on me kind of once I got into that middle school, high school range, less so. Um, I'm not sure it had any sort of like nostalgic effect to that, but maybe it does because this was, that was probably around the same time where I'm, I'm seeing Bloodsport for the first time when I'm in that, that eight through 11 range, um, which is interesting. The first time I saw it, was recorded my brother must have recorded it off of network television because for the longest time i only saw blood sport from the end of the training montage like i yeah. i saw my first time seeing blood sport was when van damme is talking with tanaka and then he flies to hong kong and then we have an hour of martial arts so i missed that whole part that Ryan, you thought kind of dragged at the beginning in my first viewing of, of Bloodsport. I would almost every time I feel I've only seen the first part of this movie like twice. And this time was like the second time I feel every time I've seen this movie, it's also been on TV and like, I catch it around that time and I'm like, fuck yeah, Bloodsport. I'm watching Bloodsport. Of course. And uh, again, just a very similar situation, though. Like, well, I don't remember yeah. any of this. And speaking to Ryan's criticisms, like, if if you get to that point, if you if you turn on the TV and you're you're seeing Tanaka in the bed, you're like, oh fuck yeah, we're about to get to the good parts. Yeah, yeah. It's I, it's really honestly very similar to Predator from last week, which is like. I don't know, maybe some people will disagree, like, they really like the stuff in the first part of Predator, but for me, like, it's like, you gotta eat your peas before you get the <laughs> cake for dessert, and then there's, like, so much fucking cake for dessert, like, I'm okay with those peas, it's yeah. fine. In both movies, it's like, it's fine, they're peas, but, like, look at the cake, and the, the cake's so good. <laughs> from from what I understand, this is kind of um, some, you know, half-assed research, but this movie was shelved for a couple of years, I read, because it, it was the producers were were not happy with it and then it oh. got re-edited around the fight scenes in the tournament and that's what was released so there there may have mm. been i don't know what i've never seen any other footage of it but there might be a lot of really poor acting on the cutting room floor that just didn't make it into into the version that we get that would explain Good too on them. 
I had read too that it said Jean Claude Van Damme worked for a long time editing this film, and I'm like, why? But if it was shelved for that long, <laughs> there was I get it then. Twenty minutes of flashback. There was a lot more <laughs> of the weird giants kid, um, young it Van Damme. <laughs> it had both records for first and second longest flashback. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's interesting. This is all very interesting. It I was- can um. I'm, I appreciate it. I will say of action movie December, this is by far the, sl- the, the, um, the meekest in runtime at like 91 minutes yeah. before credits. It's very tight. That's fantastic. Great. I am so appreciative of that. And if there is like not great dialogue or not great acting or things that don't add to the story because you really don't need it. And in all honesty, I'd say go ahead and cut the reporter. out of this and you got an even tighter like 70 minute movie man it's even better but like i i always appreciate that like good excise the stuff that don't work kill your darlings great the reporter reporter is is it's rough it's just it's pretty shoehorned (laughs) in there and uh, according to the real frank dukes there was no reporter and that he would he wouldn't dare to have an an intimate relationship during during a tournament um Right, and Come on. I don't remember when she was introduced, <laughs> but I did write down when her f- name was said for the first to- time, and we don't we don't get that until we're an hour into the movie. Her her name is uh. said once, where she's chastising Van Dam for wanting to go to the finals to avenge uh, Jackson's injury, and he tells her, "Jenny, calm down." And her name is credited as, as Janice, and I'm not sure. <laughs> if there's a disconnect there, or if with Van Damme's accent when he says Jenny, Jenny. like it's he's trying You're... to say Janice, and I'm just not hearing it right. But like she I'd doesn't really yeah, serve a, she doesn't one. really serve a whole lot other than kind of a love interest to play off of a little bit, and I don't think it worked very well. So I agree. I think it, she it could was be cut. probably added in to get the yeah. uh, the wife something to to care about when the husbands <laughs> want to watch Chong Lee and Van Damme beat the shit out oh, of each other. Oh, I'll tell you what, the wives are way more interested in fucking John Claude Van Damme's ass and his oh, shirt yeah. and all those splits and shit. Like they don't give a fuck about Janice. Oh yeah, or but Janie. no, but <laughs> movie people always think that they got to have the love interest or the wives won't. Oh care. yeah, studio heads. Yeah, yeah that's studio what I'm saying. Think yeah. that. I think sure. that's a big reason she probably just got added in because. All this movie is is essentially shirtless dudes blooding each other, and she does. She is the the catalyst to us seeing Van Damme's very nice, very very nice butt. Let's let's be honest here. Oh yeah, it was he's a, got a fantastic uh, like, tush, and he it feels like he's contractually obliged to show it in a lot of his <laughs> movies because I've seen his butt in a lot of films. Uh, For sure, there is. There's apparently a story with that in his third movie, which I now cannot remember the name for it, but he showed his butt in the third movie, and it it kept playing so well, he was like, this is gonna be my shtick. So, much like you said, like, he really quickly, like, learned about, like, the splits, splits. and, like, the memification. like, he understood my butt selling, like, people are like, my butt, you gotta get the people what they movie. want, man. Yeah, he did, and so, so he did. Good on him. They they said in like marketing, Market Jean Claude Van Damme is like one of the few that he appeals to both men and women like equally. Oh, I I we watched yeah Kickboxer with uh with my wife my wife and she 
he his butt sh- is shown a lot there because the final the final fight with Tong Po in that movie they're in these like ceremonial thongs yeah and um, they've got kind of like a little mini mini skirt thing that covers them up but anytime Van Damme does the splits or a kick or falls to the ground you get to see ninety five percent of his butt. And she was not paying attention to any of the movie up until that point. <laughs> it sells, man. He uh, knows it. We know it. John yeah. Van Damme butt sells. Yeah, I'd buy for it. For sure. Uh, so we, we talked about, what what is his name? Jackson, the biker dude? Jackson. Uh, Ray Jackson, yeah. The, the, the nice That's thing it. about these two dudes is like most modern guys, they bonded over video games. Really appreciated mm-hmm. that. They played that I want to keep. Terrible, uh, let's stick more. We're game. sticking more in Ray Jackson, right? Yeah, because I've got a lot to say about Ray Jackson. Oh yeah, do you? Like how how I how yeah. did he get the invite? I don't know. <laughs> he's he's this essentially like just Chong Lee thing. He's just like a back. How are these people getting the invites. But Chong Lee looks like he's he he shows some martial arts acumen. Jackson but is Chong just... Lee, as soon as he talks the first time, you're like, this dude's gonna kill somebody. And you know <laughs> it. And everybody there knows it. Because, let's face it, they're running a death tournament. They know what's up. And they look at him, they know he's a killer. Chong Lee just gives off that vibe, like, he's gonna kill somebody. Well, he, he's they, got the look. He killed in the last... In the last one. He they, did say they, that he he had killed in the last tournament. They do that great thing where two other people talk about the villain to kind of talk up the villain. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's that's Chung Lee. He killed a guy in the last tournament. Just stood there oh, and watched shit. him die. Yeah. And then it's it's good exposition, right? When he, oh. he they get the first the first uh, fight for him. I love that Chung Lee has the really good Forrest Whitaker eye in a movie with Forrest Whitaker in it. <laughs> Not Chung Lee. Uh, you know Ray He's Jackson. got the crazy eye. Oh, I thought you were talking about Ray Jackson. Also no. has that eye going. He also does, well, he's got the legit like lazy Forrest Whitaker eye. Saying. I was going for like My the bad. crazy face, but yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> Fuck. All right, Ray Jackson. Can we get to- all right? Ray yeah, Jackson. Yeah. Go on it. Go on it. I fucking love this guy, and I awesome. thought I was going to hate him. I really was not a big fan. Like, all right. The very first few scenes, they portray him in the way that they set up almost every 80s villain. Mm-hmm. They really do. They Not like, Chong Lee's clearly going to be the main villain. And then it's set up Ray Jackson as your sub-villain fight for John claude Van Damme to go through. Once he's proven he can take Ray Jackson, he can... But like, very quickly, as soon as those two meet, they have this weird friendship as you discussed with the video games... But then it keeps going on beyond that. And they're just, like, very sweet and loving and encouraging to each other. And at the end, John claude Van Damme fucking kisses him on the cheek and fucking wishes him well in life and says, I love you, buddy. And it's just, like, goddamn, it's, like, the coolest non-fucking machismo shit ever. John claude Van Damme is now, like, my new favorite 80s hero, and I love, I love, like, they included this kind of arc, and, like, it is just, like, it's so 
I don't know if it was progressive for the 80s, but god damn does it feel like it was. I, I love I love everything about that. So were you concerned I, I love it. Were you love concerned it. at all that Jackson and Van Damme were gonna have to face each other and you'd have this like friends going against each other in the death tournament situation? Yep. Yep. Until until Chong Lee put him in the hospital, then I was like Oh, I see where we're going now. Okay. Which is a neat, a neat little, like, tell that really it took me until this viewing to find out that you have the, the dim mock scene early in the movie where Jean-Claude has to, like, impressively break the brick. And then on the second day, Jackson takes one of the bricks and smashes it over his head, which you don't really think anything of, but then, when Chong Lee like gives him a head stomp and puts him in the hospital, that kind of that's kind of like a subtle setup of like this guy's got a head like a rock and he can survive yeah. what would have killed a normal person. <laughs> and I thought really, like, I thought that was a neat little little touch that I hadn't really picked up on until until like fifty yeah. viewings in. It has a Plot lot of those because even in the beginning tight. with the dad and the training, he has tons of those. Like with the blindness that comes back. Um, mm-hmm. there's another one too that, uh, his dad teaches him. I don't, I can't remember it right off the top of my head right now. And I had it earlier, but like both, it does a lot of good callbacks in this movie, which it, like Chekhov's gun. Is that what it says? Like, don't show this if you're not going to use it later. Right. That's what mm-hmm. that is. I believe. Yeah. And, uh, oh, this one has a Chekhov's dick pill. Which had me, like, thrown for a loop for a solid minute straight. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing with this pill he put in his pants? Like, Chong Lee, why, what is this white mystery pill in his pants? And I was, like, losing my mind trying to think what it was. And then he starts crushing it, and I'm like, oh, you, all right, I see. Okay, okay. Why in all of Hong Kong could they not have found somebody else that didn't have a giant sore right on their fucking finger to zoom in on and shove that in his pants, too? Like, what the fuck was up with that? Wouldn't anybody with a better looking hand? It was a close no, up anyway. No, I think anyways. it's realistic. I love it. I love <laughs> that. I love that. It, I don't want to see fucking dolled up people all the time. Give me some realism in my movies. I love that shit. <laughs> Give yeah. me those don't open festering hand the ran- wounds. The random I'm extras cool that you get, like the OK USA, that guy. OK USA! <laughs> and like there's... It's when, so good! When Van Damme's walking down the the alley in Kowloon and there's just the guy that's just like laughing in the corner going <laughs> <laughs> and you just have these really weird random folks that get two seconds of screen time and it, it, it helps, stranger, it helps sell the land. realism a little bit because there aren't a whole bunch of like pretty people there's some there's some normal looking people in this movie <laughs> yes yeah um I think that's attributed to the shooting a location in Hong Kong, which yeah. also provides maybe one of my favorite parts, which is like the scenery is so good. There is like, there's one shot, which is just the side of a building structure. And it has like all the overhanging like, um, porches and kind of awning areas off in the different apartments of this complexes. And it is, gorgeous it's like this really striking fucking shot of hong kong that you never fucking see because apparently after 92 93 this place doesn't exist anymore and they've Mm -hmm. shut off access or whatever but like this is it's gorgeous this area i love this i love this i love all of this 
I really like when they uh, they're chasing him and he's running on all those different fishing boats linked up. That's a really cool. <laughs> that's that's I one really... thing we haven't really talked about is that kind of the. So you were thinking that Ray Jackson would be the secondary villain, but it's really Helmer and Rollins These who cops. are the two the two army guys that are sent to take Frank Dukes back. Frank Dukes is gone, gone AWOL. He's fighting in this tournament, but he's too valuable to the U.S. Army to be hurt. So they send. A 60-year-old dude and Forrest Whitaker to take down the world's greatest martial artist. Mm-hmm. Um, Just by bet they keep, like, come on, dude. We can't take you out. Just please come with us. And he's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> I like that they, they don't try and attempt that. It's it's just, yeah. there's this, there's this just acceptance that Van Damme is clearly the superior here and if they can't convince him and if they can't tase him then they're just gonna sit and and watch him fight in the tournament which is what happens and cheer him on i'm of i'm of two minds of this because it's it's fun and it's entertaining but it also like it just makes them like this is gonna be a reference for maybe one person but bulk and scully of the power <laughs> rangers it's they're non they're non-threats they yeah. don't do fucking anything they're just time wasting like clownery it's or sorry let's go fucking shakespeare uh what's rosencrantz and guildenstern then Bebop, fine Bebop there you go there's my pretentious reference yeah, i Bebop take back my power steady. rangers reference and i make it pretentious but there you go <laughs> it's just it's goofery that takes up screen time and i'm it's it's whenever they show up it's fine and it's fun but like i want to get back to like the actual blood sports stuff and and see that that's the cool shit <laughs> It does give us that fantastic chase through Hong Kong, like, and the... The boat chase is good. The Mentos the commercial adaptation, which, man, that works so well. Yeah, for anyone <laughs> for anyone listening to this, look on YouTube for Bloodsport Mentos, and someone has cut a Mentos commercial out of that scene, and it just, it matches up so perfectly. And there's a lot of, there's there's a fair amount of Mentos parodies out there. But this is the best. This is the best by far. It's it yeah. really man. It's I respectfully disagree. <laughs> okay, it's still Foo Fighters for me. But uh, I, I would definitely say it's up there. <laughs> this one works really well with no changes at all outside of adding Mentos music to it. It's so. And it, it was great to watch it again today. And I was just picturing the music in my head, and I was like, "Oh yeah." This. <laughs> um. Another reference to video games, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys want to take a, a, a shot in the dark at what major video game franchise was heavily inspired by the movie Bloodsport? I'll let R- R- Ryan take um, this one. I mean, I would guess it would be Mortal Kombat. Oh, for ding, sure. Ding, ding. Like, Johnny Cage is Jean-Claude Van Damme. That move, the outfit that he wears was like the, the black shorts and the yellow sash. That is what Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme's wearing, like... Oh, uh, cool. The splits and nut point, punch. Yeah, the splits yeah. and nut even, punch. Even the like, initials, Johnny Cage, Jean-Claude. Oh, I did not ever piece that one together. They were, from, from, what, I, from what I read, they were trying to actually get Van Damme to be the motion capture actor for think, it, but they couldn't uh, agree they on it. They wanted to do a Bloodsport game, like, and yeah, they couldn't get him, so they went with... <sighs> Mortal Kombat. So, 
It's like six degrees of, of separation references from Predator to Mortal Kombat. Except it's really only two degrees. It's just Van Damme. Yeah, huh. exactly. The, it's uh, like Jean-Claude Van Damme really tried to have his finger in everything. Good on him. <laughs> Including I mean, Tyler Bano. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> if he remembered, that's, that's another story, but... What, uh, what are your thoughts on the competitors in do you do you have a favorite non frank dukes non like non main character combatant i was i was going to ask this question too i think it's good um and it's also i'm just to bring up another fighting game reference these guys are very very street fighter i feel yeah cuz they're sort of all over the place they're kind of the caricatures world. Yes. Down down to a part that really did not age well, and I'm guessing guessing that you can figure out which one that was. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Uh. I yep. I won't even I'll let somebody else say it. I'm tired <laughs> of being that person on this podcast. That well, that's I mean, there's Yeah, there's a, a a black dude who's crawling around in a very monkey-ish way, and yeah. also splitting coconuts with his hands. There, there's there's no, like, tap dancing around it. They they cast a black fighter to be a monkey fighter, and mm-hmm. um, I think pretty much everything else in the, in the movie ages pretty well, except except for that glaring part, and then the, the female lead's role leaves a lot to be desired, but that's... Mm-hmm. that's that's rough. That is a really rough part. So, um, yep. it's it's the eighties. You're gonna run into that if you watch enough eighties movies. It's mm-hmm. a very checkered movie era for sure. It's it still wasn't a good time for most of uh, the minorities, even in the eighties. Unfortunately, it's it's crazy how not that long ago it was. But I think it's weird to look back at it now, like through this lens that we have. Like, damn, man. It's just so I th- casual. I so, think mm. my, but I think using that as a jumping point, I think the, the guy that that he loses to um, the big sumo wrestler that was mm-hmm. I, I always liked that guy because like Van Dam's fight that's that's kind of the dude that Van Dam almost almost loses against. He gets in a, in a mm-hmm. spot of trouble um, in like the quarterfinals against uh, against Pomelo the the sumo the big wrestler. Giant, dude. And he's got to uh, he's got to give him the dim mock in the stomach, and then when he recovers from that, he's got to give his signature splits punch right in the groin, in in brutal slow motion. It's a fun it's a fun fight scene. Uh, dude, I, I called him the Pacific Island Jaws. Pacific from, uh, Island Jaws. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> they definitely look like uh, look like that guy. I uh, <laughs> I really like the the kickboxer dude that gets through. Paco. Um, yeah. yeah, Paco. That Paco guy's a real fighter. Yeah. I yeah. Lo- I looked him up, and this he's one? he's like one of the one of the principal figures in kickboxing <laughs> right now. Yeah, really. They got he's they, still going strong. Huh? They have they got a lot of actual fighters, actual martial artists to play these roles. There weren't any stuntmen in this movie, and they have a lot of people who know their shit. Um, yeah. And some who don't, like the guy who fought Ray Jackson in the first round, who's like this very flock of seagulls looking dude who 
doesn't know how to throw a punch. And then Jackson splits his nose in half in two seconds, which was a fun, fun fight because I hated that guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, fuck, man. I keep losing these trains of thoughts that I have and I need to write them down. What'd you think of the music? I, I, I love the fucking music, man. Uh, it's so 80s. I loved anything that didn't have words. As soon as anything with words started happening, it was way too See, cheesy. And too no, much, I loved and I the words. It. They but were... like the, the tones and the synths, like there was like a synth at the end that was fucking so good and dope. I can't even remember it, but it was during the final climax and it's real good synth work. I the, love the the synth soundtrack. Any any of the montage music without words, and even like the Kumite 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 <laughs> Kumite Kumite song. Um, even I'm I'm fine with that. The um, mm-hmm. the the montage, like the sad montage, walking around Hong Kong after Jackson's been hurt, fight for love with all your heart. That's that's <laughs> maybe not great, but the actual. The music, like, when you first, when the movie starts and you have that montage of the different fighters and there's that that really good montage music to go with that. And that kind of persists throughout all the fighting and training. Like I love that song. And, I think that yeah. really, really, really works well. It uh, it does work very mm-hmm. well. It's It's a lot of fun. I like to imagine when the vocals do come in. I kind of enjoyed them more anyways, because I like to think that they're all being sung by Trey Parker, so I don't take them <laughs> seriously anyways, because they are so stupidly ridiculous and so specific to, like, this movie, but uh, the guy that wrote them and performed them in this movie, they didn't have him do it for the soundtrack. They hired this other guy to do it for the actual soundtrack to the movie, and then that guy won a Grammy for those. Really? So, yeah. The guy this, that wrote the songs didn't grand. get shit. The, the guy that they hired got all the shit for him. Stan Bush is who I have written down. He did, he and he did all the theme songs, like the the principal theme songs for Kickboxer as as well. Whoa, he does good work. I really enjoy this stuff. Uh, I had a note here. I don't think that guy was Middle Eastern. Hussein, <laughs> the one who yeah. lost the two. Uh huh. I, I don't think he was. Just he didn't look Middle Eastern to me. Who it knows? looked like some dude they picked up in Hong there Kong. There was so much like, hey. ADRing going on. Like I just didn't even assume um, any kind of any kind of language or anything to anybody. I'm just like, nope. This is just made up Simpson land. You're all just people. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> There's a lot of ADR. The worst of it has to be, I think. I think his name is Colonel Cook, who's oh. early in the moving movie mm-hmm. when the guy reports that he lost Van Dam, and he's like, "What the hell do you mean you lost Van Dam? Or you lost <laughs> you lost Dukes?" And it's it's so so obvious. It's it's really it's a it's funny. I I, I always love like eighties martial art martial arts ADR stuff because it's it's everywhere. These uh, these movies were super stylized, though. Like, ADR outside of that, these fight scenes were really well done. They had a lot of that uh, End of the Dragon flair into them. You don't... That's, that's something I noticed. You don't really see this style of fight scene anymore. There's a lot with the new 
with the new style of action movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, yeah, these uh, these fight <laughs> scenes though, and they they do a lot of these these zoom in and slow mo shots for a lot of these hits, dude. Some of those like blood splatter, like head flick backs. Ah, they're so. I love them every time. They get me so pumped up, man. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the point that I was talking, uh, I was trying to get to, is that the action sequences you see now are a lot of like super fast cuts, and you don't get these really stylistic slow motion foot connecting with the face and then blood splattering out of the mouth, and it's it's a it's I don't I don't know if it's better or worse, but I like the I like the difference. It's it's definitely something that you can tell is an eighties martial arts movie compared to what we have now. Well, I'm having people that know how to fight. That's it. Yeah, you have the actual people there who are trained to know how to do the stuff instead of actors who don't and then covering up the stuntmen who stuntmen and women who come in and then perform for them. Yeah, um, well, because like the Predator last week had a lot of weird quick cuts too at certain times to hide stuff. But like in Bloodsport, you're right. You get these long, nice, like multi-second cuts of just sweeping hits, and it's it's great. It's it's perfect. Uh, Ryan will be familiar with this. There's this YouTube channel that doesn't run anymore called uh, Every Frame a Painting. And they do a great breakdown of, like, Jackie Chan fight scenes and how, like, those work so much better because the way he edits, like, he shows the hit twice, like, once in normal, and then there's usually, like, a zoom-in hit to show the impact. And you see that some going on here in Bloodsport. They sort of ape it. It's more from the Bruce Lee style because, again, this movie apes a lot from uh, Enter the Dragon. And even mm-hmm. Chong Lee is in Enter the Dragon. He even references Enter the Dragon when he says bricks don't hit back, like... Is that is I've never thing. seen Enter the Dragon. Yeah, so that's a thing that Bruce oh, Lee says what? to Chong Lee's character in Enter the Dragon when Chong Lee breaks a board. Bruce Lee says, "Boards uh, don't get back." Have and we that's done why. Enter the Dragon? <laughs> we haven't yet. Phil's coming back in Mesa for Enter the Dragon, all and right. I'll I'll get to be the one who sees it for the first time and yeah, there we go and shits yeah. all over it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. It's not just, right. it, but it's not just, I, I remember reading that um, Tanaka, the guy who plays Senzo Tanaka, is also the sensei in Enter the Dragon as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put that one together. Nope. It doesn't impact you as much as Chung Lee does. <laughs> no, it's, Chung Lee's fucking memorable. That actor yeah. really does a lot. He and, he and Van Damme worked together on, on a number of movies. They kind of formed this. I think they had a, a decent, um, decent working relationship. Um, in one of my, they were in one of my other favorite Van Damme movies, Double Impact, where Van Damme gets to play himself twice, which is fantastic. He has the twin, right? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. He plays yeah. he plays twins uh, of himself, like the slick backed greaser <laughs> version, and like the the wide eyed naive um, oh, brother man. as well, but. But Bolo Young is one of the uh, the sub bosses, the sub villains in that movie, and actually Philip Chan, who plays a uh, who plays the Hong Kong police captain, is is one of the main villains in Double Impact too. So there's a lot, oh, damn man, 
a lot of guys in these movies that are are have ties to multiple Van Damme properties. We usually have uh, some some subject matter experts when it comes to certain things. I think Phil's going to become our Jean Claude Van Damme subject matter expert. So there's there's nothing I would love more than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If we're talking Van Damme, you're on the episode now, buddy. That's Van, you. Van, Van Damme was always <laughs> always my favorite action star growing up. So. That's awesome. He's he's been my I think usually my third. Arnold's my main guy, and I've always liked Stallone. And Arnold's body of work is un, untouchable. Like he's mm-hmm. there's just so much good work there, and I get Sly probably has higher highs, um, but but I've I've consistently enjoyed. I think Van Damme's work better than. It's Sloan. weird, like looking back now, it's crazy how much Van Damme stuff I actually do enjoy too, because I really like Time Cop, even though it's silly and so over the top uh-huh. and just really garbagey, but I like it. I there's another one too. I can't remember where he's got like long hair and he's a greaser type guy too. Hard impact. He's wearing no hard target. Yes, hard target. Hard target. <laughs> yeah, I like hard target too. That's a pretty good one. God damn, you're pulling them out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's. Note, note. All right, John Claude Van Damme trivia. Bill Kilsen. Yeah, for that very yeah. specific wow. trivia um, <laughs> in season two. Don't, don't. <laughs> I really, uh, again, I want to talk about Chong Lee. I just love this guy. I love the fucking the nose clear before yeah. these fights. It's such a nice little just ah fuck this shit. And, oh, and that's such a great little when you're character t- touch. When you're talking about the other competitors, you didn't, uh, we didn't get to mine. And yeah. my favorite other person is the guy who goes out real quick. And it's pretty much just a sight gag for John Claude Van Damme. But he comes out and he makes his eyes real big and he flexes and he points and then he does like the throat cut and then <laughs> steps up and John Claude just roundhouses him real quick and he's out. And that's it. <laughs> I fucking Love that. That's brilliant. That is such a brilliant scene. Perfect. Like the, the, the indie whip or gun scene. Yes. Yeah. It is the Indiana. It, yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. Mm-hmm. Spielberg ripped off Bloodsport confirmed. That's it. <laughs> you have it. You have it, folks. Uh, I also, I don't know. I think my favorite knockout is Chung Lee knocks a dude out by bending his elbow the correct way. He has a dude in like yeah. a, a hold and he like slams it down on his elbow like this way and then the dude is just knocked unconscious. Well, this is physics, Kyle. The the sumo guy we were talking about earlier just kind of lightly holds somebody and hugs them mm-hmm. and you hear like this loud bone snap but at no point do you see his arms move or flex at all. So yeah. he's just doing this and then you hear like and then all of a sudden, this guy is down, limp. I'm like, okay, sure, all right, <laughs> cool. Ryan, there, since this, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I was Go just going to add that that whoever was doing the the kind of is is it is it ADR when you're doing sound effects as well? Like That's what's foley foley? Okay, work. the, the foley. foley work for whoever's like making the cracking of the joints and ligaments. <laughs> in this movie they did some really really good work because there's a lot of just like these slow motion crunches where you can like feel the feel the tendons strain and snap as they get they get massacred on on the floor it's in front of everyone good good job on them the the folks behind the scenes 
Brilliant note. Brilliant note. The- I didn't think about that, but yeah, very satisfying sound effects when it comes to like the the snaps and the crunches and like the I guess we'll just say impacts and everything. Real good. Mm-hmm. The meat smacks. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, this being your, your first viewing, um, did you ever become worried that Jackson might actually pass away? Or did you know that he was going to survive? Um, no. No, I didn't think he was going... I thought um, when he started fighting, I think I said earlier and I was incorrect, but like when he started fighting... Chong Lee, that's when I kind of pieced it. I was like, oh, so this is Rocky. They're going to do the Rocky thing where he's going to Apollo Creed Ray Jackson, and then he has to come back and fight him for dignity and honor, and then this is a super win. Super win for John claude Van Damme, I get it. But as soon as like he he hit him in the head, and he kind of laid there, then they were like, he's in the hospital. I'm like, oh, he's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's 100% fine. He got a little ouchy, but he'll be better. I really like I never the slow thought motion he was going to die after when Chang Li like stomps on his head and again that's also like one of those slow-mo cuts of him like Ugh! it's so yeah, fucking that's, intimidating. That's the best one where you get like the wide-eyed looking down crazy crazy smile. It's really well oh, yeah. done. And what's what's and he, really interesting, I always found this kind of bizarre of you have Chong Li, when he speaks, he's like, you are next. He's got this really deep voice. And then when he celebrates, he's got this really high pitched, like almost girlish scream when he celebrates. And it's that always, (laughs) like as a kid, was like the juxtaposition of those two things. I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was it was interesting. Well, I wonder if it's because Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's really him ADRing himself. Yeah. I think they probably just got somebody else to sound deep and intimidating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you you mentioned kickboxer a few times, Phil, and you you wanted to to list a couple of uh, similarities. I think you had said. There's. Did you guys end up watching it at all? Or I I haven't yet. I I want to, and I remember kickboxer because again, I used to watch kickboxer as much as this. I feel because it's got yeah the the famous like. Hands dipped in the in the wax and like that gets parodied and a lot yeah, of shit there's, anyways. There's so much and you know, I watch I used to think these movies were like my top two Van Damme movies, like one and two, and I ended up I ended up buying Kickboxer, even though I have it on VHS in my garage somewhere, but I don't have an actual VCR anymore, so yep. I had to I know had to buy feel. it on on Voodoo. It was it was three ninety nine to rent and four ninety nine to watch to to buy. So, and I've Why never, not, yeah. I've never bought an actual digital movie because I think that's such a, such a bizarre concept and such a waste. Like, I don't know how long Voodoo, the company, is going to be around. To exist. Like, yeah. <laughs> but for a dollar more, sure, I'll get it so I can watch anytime I want, which is fine, which was good <laughs> because I fell asleep during Kickboxer the first time I watched it. So I was able to go back and watch it again. Um, it didn't age as well. It did not age nearly as well as I thought it did um, and that might be a fun one to do uh, a little bit more of a a shitting on session for a future action movie December but there are a lot of similarities they came out within I think like two years of each other it's 
got a lot of the same it has the same actors in it so they have mm-hmm. the they in addition to van damme so the guy i'm not sure if you remember him the fighter's He's name was swan good, almost the pompadour hair like swan paredes who was the guy who who chong lee breaks his leg and in, in the second day yeah. he goes on to play was- tong po the villain in kickboxer him and Jean-Claude Van Damme were actually buddies. They came to America together, I think. Yeah. Or they, and they, yeah. So that's but why, I, yeah. They've got that, that connection. There's the, the soundtrack. Uh, Stan Bush does music for both, both movies. Yeah. They have, uh, of course, plenty, plenty of splits in Van Damme, but in, in both movies. Um, and then. <laughs> They even have so the semifinal fight where Van Damme and Paco are trading these kicks to each other back and forth. They have that really exact cool same fight in Kickboxer. Like note for note, he comes out, the the other boxer comes out and they start kicking each other in the side of the ribs over and over and again until Van Damme knocks the guy out and it's kind of this it's really bizarre how much they took from that movie. They also have like the splits machine in kickboxer. There's a scene, there's a scene where they split his legs and he's like screaming out in anguish as they're, they're trying to get him to be more flexible, which is hilarious because it's Van Damme and you know, his legs can bend (laughs) at hundred degree, 180 degree angles, but (laughs) that's fucking weird. Armstrong. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. It is. It's interesting the contrivances they come up with to get John Claude Van Damme to do splits in these movies. Oh. It's, nothing, it's so good. Nothing beats Time Cop, where they electrify the water on his and he jumps floor. Up. Yeah, it. and he has to do the splits onto the counter to avoid the electric it's so water. <laughs> it's so gratuitous. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. In the in the fight in Kickboxer, when they're doing the the trade with the the kicks to the ribs, are they playing it up the same way here? Where like it's a re- and that's it's a reference to earlier when he was in his training and is Sensei was beating him so that he didn't feel pain, and so you get that from Jean Claude in this scene where he's smiling where the other dude starts to wince. Is that the way it's played in Kickboxer? No, they don't do nearly as good of a job of it, and that that's okay. kind of my takeaway from Kickboxer in general is. It's it's blood sport, but maybe seventy percent as good. And there Ooh. there are some better parts. I like I like the um kind of the comedic sidekick, the guy who plays the Jackson of of kickboxer. I think is actually you know I, I hate to say this, Ryan, but I think he's a, a much more fun character than than Donald Gibb than than Jackson. Um, I bet. I bet. I don't think Donald Gibb is perfect. I just, I, I was blown away again by the empathy. Yeah. I think you I were surprised. Shown. And that's why it impacted yeah. you so much more. Cause I yeah. know you were, you were actually worried about this movie, Ryan. You didn't think you were going to like it at I'm all. I'm not manly. <laughs> all right. So there's one scene where the love interest says something to the effect of like, I don't understand why you want to go and just beat each other up. You have to prove how strong you are. And like, that's me going into these movies. I don't want to watch <laughs> people prove how strong they are. Gotta I, have, I need something more. <laughs> you gotta have the wet blanket 
character who's like, you can't do it, Rocky. Don't do it. And it's you'll never it's get a, it up. It's an '80s sports trope, <laughs> and it's yep. just another. It's another part that makes her character really kind Oof. of not necessary. Is she's just playing a trope, a, a, a token love interest with token lines, and mm-hmm. you can get a, you can do away with her, and it doesn't change the movie at all, except makes it, it ten agree. minutes shorter, and maybe even ten minutes better. Maybe even ten minutes better. <laughs> I agree. Um, I want blood sport with like a relationship forming between uh, Ray, Ray and Frank. Well, there are two sequels to the movie, so you might get what you desire. Uh, I'm down for that. Blood I've never seen now, either man. of the other blood sports. Have you, Phil? I wish I could blood sport quit you. I've <laughs> I've seen the quest, which is kind of like oh no blood sport, but not as good. And no. slightly better, like produced, but some more money. It's it's it it polishes the blood sport formula, but in a way where you see the crap underneath. And there's something about the the kind of grainy, the gritty cheapness of the original blood sport that I think lends to to the quality of the movie almost. Hmm. I agree. Mm. Uh, it's one of the things that stands out with Bloodsport is that it it doesn't look polished and pristine. It's it's sort of rough around the edges, but I like it. It gives it kind of captures the dirtiness of I imagine Hong Kong in 1986. Mm-hmm. It's it's rough around the edges, but I also want to be careful because I do think like the cinematography is really good, and they do a lot of really clever, smart shots and like zooms and pans and like establishing shots like i I think a big reason for that is because the guy that directed this he is a second unit director by trade he's a he's he does a lot of that b-roll stuff like he's only fully directed three movies they use him a lot as a second unit guy so yeah that's probably why he has sort of an eye for the scenery and the flair because that's what he's used to shooting anyways so the I scenery, think but also like the the fighting stuff too. He's really good at the fighting stuff. I think his fighting shots are well edited. They're not shot in a way that show like how clearly away from each other they are when they're fighting. Like you can see him fucking Rocky nowadays, and everybody wants to praise the cinematography in that movie. But like, I think he has an eye for action too. I think this is a superbly competently shot movie. I, I don't want to say, I don't want to be too uh, flowery in my praise of it, because it's not amazing, but it's also nothing to snub at either. I, I think I think there's an eye here. I think this director mm-hmm. has an eye. Or the cinematographer, whoever that's, it was. That's that's an interesting pun you make, because the guy literally has one eye. If you look up new Arnold, the director, Are he you? wears a prominent eye patch. <laughs> Fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Fir- I didn't know that either. The first image you see of New Arnold is like this bald dude with a cigarette out of his mouth dangling there awesome. and an eye patch. He just that 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 is the guy that I would want to direct a movie in Hong Kong in 1986. <laughs> uh-huh. He he would get the shit done, and he did. So fucking a. Wow, this, uh, this is one of my favorite because I've learned so much on this one. What's cool to me and what was w- funny watching this is like, so this was 1986 when 
stuff like this was still very taboo. I mean, the movie is called Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. But again, it's weird because like MMA is a very popular thing that exists now. And just some of the way that some of these fights played out would not be the way that like knowing now is how this would play out at all. Uh, like <laughs> no. that, but it, it was it's still fun to see and I mem- and I remember how controversial this movie was because it focused on like this underground cage fighting and like oh is this is it's bad for the children to know things like this exist in the world dude the eighties were a wild time of like child shielding uh the eighties I mean the eighties dude they they I... tried to ban this. Not Bam, but man, this movie was like it's called Bloodsport. You can't kids can't watch movies called Bloodsport. And yet we what all did. And yet yeah, it was on network did. TV, I feel mm-hmm. like every Saturday. Yep. I'm Absolutely. just saying I think that child shielding is still going on to this day. It has not stopped in the eighties. It has gone our we saw it in the nineties with fucking video games and Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. and all that shit. And who is Tied it back to Bloodsport to Congress? Yeah, Lieberman. Uh, Joe, Joe Lieberman. Lieberman. That's right, Joe Lieberman, our pal. And uh, who's um, the lawyer? What's <sighs> former vice presidential candidate? There's a lawyer that's like Ted Johnson, some somebody like that, who's always trying to sue. I, I remember everybody. Oh, him. that fucker! Oh, yeah, you I know, know what I'm talking, talking about. about. Oh, I can see his face. It's yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, it's not. I, well, I'm not going to sit here on it, but I know exactly who you're talking. Mm. On, on that note, I I don't have any more notes on Bloodsport. Do you guys? It's a Jack. It is something. Jack. It is Jack. You're right. But do you guys have anything else to uh, to wrap up here on Bloodsport? I've got. I, I I'm. We touched on this a little bit, but it is this this whole movie is supposedly something that was true and took place. It's supposed to be about the 1975 Kumite, the secret underground real fighting um, tournament that um, exists, and Frank Dukes, the real Frank Dukes, had this article in Black Belt Magazine in the 80s that, that he talks about this whole thing, and that's kind of the the impetus for this movie is they, they take him they essentially take him at his word because there's no corroborating evidence that this tournament exists and retell his story and <laughs> it's it's bizarre. If you if you if you look into Frank Dukes's story, this guy sounds like a serial I don't want to say liar, but he's the kind of guy who's, he's a serial storyteller. And every time you call him out on his bullshit, he has a better, better excuse to make up for the bullshit he told. For example, the sword that he, that he gets in the movie, uh, the real Frank Duke says he doesn't have that sword anymore because he sold it for ransom money to, to (laughs) get a bunch of orphans kidnapped orphans off of a Filipino pirate ship. Mm. Checks out. As you want to do. Yeah. And and his wow. there's a lot calling into calling into question everything from his military career to the actual trophy that that he 
he is pictured with in in from the Kumite to um, everything. So so I I've got a little bit I've got a little bit of a quiz here. I'd love oh, to okay. to get your guys's um, interest. So I've got what was what was Frank Dukes's story versus what is movie magic. So you've got some things like so. Let me give you an example. Janice the reporter. Mm-hmm. That's something that was made up whole cloth for the movie. It's a it's a it's mm. a non-existent part of of the Frank Dukes lore. Um, okay. But we've got other things. So Ray Jackson. Ray 100% true. Jackson, 100% true. What do you think? What do you think, Kyle? Uh Yeah, I'll say true too. I'm I'm in for Ray Jackson. <laughs> Frank Duke says that is true. He All says right. the majority of the Ray Jackson characteristics are chiefly based upon a guy named Richard Robinson, um, who he said he met at at the Kumite. Uh, the L.A. Times published a story in 1988 after this movie came out and found Richard Robinson and talked to him and, and they they found out that he and Dukes were a high school went to the same high school together at the same time uh, Duke says oh no Duke says he doesn't know the guy but then Robinson like when confronted with some of his some of this fraudulent information or at least like contradictory information said that what do you want me to say? Frank's a buddy of mine when I was in L.A. If he says it's true, it's fine with me. All right. There you are. <laughs> so it sounds like Frank Dukes has a has a high overlap with Tommy Wiseau with, like, the weird mystery <laughs> and, like, well, not, it's, not it's, lies, lies. It's interesting because he's, you know, he's an accomplished martial artist. He had his own ninjutsu dojo in the 80s and like that was at the boom like the top of the the karate boom where everyone's Mm -hmm. doing martial arts and which means that the market's flooded and if you've got if you've got this this fantastic story of you going to this martial arts tournament and knocking out 56 dudes in a row and you've got this gigantic trophy that brought him a lot of business that made him a really, really successful martial uh, arts teacher in the eighties. Yeah, and it kind of so, it kind of calls into question yeah. a little bit of of this whole thing. Chong Lee, yeah. So, yeah, this is so. This is more a uh, better comparison would be Billy Mitchell. It'd be Billy, like if we saw a Billy Mitchell the movie. That's, that's blood sport. <laughs> that's probably true. Chong okay. Lee, re- real or movie magic? Ah. Uh, Movie magic. I'm say, yeah, I'm also going to say movie magic. Duke says it's real. What? Nah, okay. He says he says Chong Lee's based on a real dude he fought that he died from brain tumors from fighting back in the 90s. Um, that's that's kind of a a common thing you'll find with uh, some of of Frank Duke's stories. Is a lot of people that you would want are to interview are are mysteriously dead and you can't can't find them. <laughs> Shit. Fantastic. Damn, ain't that, ain't that okay. a bitch. 
the blinding incident real or fake? Mm. Real That's or part of the Frank Pitt story? That's gotta be yeah. fake. That one has to be movie magic. Kind Yeah. Kind okay. of. Duke says that so the blinding incident is based on something that happens with commonly with fighters where you get a mixture of sweat and liniment oil that will get flung into your eyes and it's not uncommon in fights. So that was kind of uh, a fabricated version of that. Okay. 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 Senzo Tiger Tanaka. Is that real or is that movie magic? Is that the father or the son? That's that's the father. That's the that's okay. the sensei. The sensei. Shidoshi. I don't know. That father. one I'm going to say real. Well, th- yeah, this is real from his is, mouth. To me, is right? this is this Frank Dukes' story or is this Hollywood story? You guys, that might be a yeah. better It's a Frank Duke story. I don't know. This feels a little too uh, uh, kung fu. I'm going to say Hollywood. Duke says I'm real. Hollywood. Okay. Duke yeah. says that Senzo Tanaka is a real person descended from Japanese ninjutsu families for generations, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. L.A. Times story for, from from the eighties tracked down, and like they couldn't find. Any trace they found famous ninjutsu scholars from Japan who have no idea who this Tanaka person was. Duke says that he lived under an assumed name, which is why you can't find death certificates for him, which is oh, why good. there's no historical trace for him that he didn't have <laughs> the uh, the actual... He lived under a different name. But Father to son. Tiger Tanaka is a character in Ian Fleming's You Only Live Twice. Uh, and Duke Duke says that, well, Ian Fleming used to base his characters on real-life people. <laughs> yeah, you know, pussy galore. That, uh-huh. that one. For like, real yes. life that we all know. <laughs> <laughs> the sword? The sword? That was, uh, that was all fake. Okay. He said that was... Duke, Duke says that that was all part of the. Uh, oh, okay. That was all part of the uh, um, producer's idea to, to kind of get that get that relationship built. Oh, and like him breaking in and stealing it and all that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because he's a good boy. I I feel like Frank Dukes would say that he never did anything wrong in his life. Right. That yeah. that seems more more on brand for him. Okay, here's a good one. The dim mock. No, that's the, that's... the special brick breaking, oh. striking the bricks from the top and smashing the ones from underneath. Is that real? That's, is that... That's gotta be... Even Frank Dukes can't say that he does... I don't know. That's gotta be Hollywood. I think he thinks he can do the dim mock. <laughs> that's probably good for all of these. I think he thinks he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say he thinks it's real. Yeah. He says it's real. So he says it's real. There are videos of him doing a version of the dim mock where he sets up these like two two bricks with some spacers in between and he hits the top one and the bottom one just kind of like 
meekly snaps in half. Um, but it's not, you don't see, if you look it up, if you look up any, any of these videos, you don't actually have the brick exploding into, like, disintegrating. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a sweet, sure. sweet mo- moment in the movie. I, I love that moment where he has to prove <laughs> that he's he can do the the signature Tanaka move of smashing a brick underneath a bunch of other bricks. It does look kick-ass. <clears throat> I... I forget about it every time. And I'm like, oh yeah, he breaks the bottom one? Mm-hmm. And then a few quick more, I guess, the, uh, by by Dukes' um, um, story, the Kumite took place in the Bahamas, not Hong Kong. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. That one more I dead know. alive. Dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, Helmer and Rollins were apparently made up for the movie. Um, although he, he does... He does say that the oh, the military um, destroyed his um, <laughs> like records of his service in the Southeast Asia conflict. Um, so he's got does- some some weird kind of um, interesting interesting fiction about um, his his military career that has not been corroborated by other folks in the military. Did he admit that he went AWOL to compete in this tournament? Because I, I feel like going AWOL is like a super big thing in the army. Like you, they don't fuck around with that one. Yeah. I don't think that, I, you know, I'm not sure if I remember that reading into whether that, no, excuse me. I have a, excuse me. I did my research, read my notes, Phil. Uh, regarding his character being on the run for the military agents, from from the quote from Frank says the AWOL bit was the producer's idea. So okay, uh, that's all. Because like I said, that, that's a pretty big one to just admit to. Also, like, but he does say that he received a a medal of honor um, secretly, and that was not <laughs> not disclosed. And then like the, the, the fucking... LA the LA Times article quoted someone being like, "I I don't think anyone's ever received a Medal of Honor secretly. That's just not something that actually happens." No, that's <laughs> why it's called the Medal of Honor because you give it to give the highest military honor possible. So, <laughs> the fucking god, this guy's great. I would hate to hang out with this dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sounds like but the he did worst. he did all the he did a lot of the fight coordinating for this movie um so you know hand it hand it to him he helped to do a lot of uh the work in making this movie happen um so regardless of what is true or what is not um it makes for a a damn good story and that's all the research i found and and quotes about frank dukes is like this guy is a a charismatic storyteller and he can Hmm. he can really really sell it to you so um I bet he and Van Damme were snorting rails and telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Those, uh, a lot of those I did not know, and uh, I don't know if I'm better off knowing them now, but thank you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a thing to say. <laughs> I don't think it hurts. I appreciate it. I don't think it hurts the movie. I, th- I found out about kind of the, the bullshit behind it a long time ago, or at least like... Mm-hmm maybe 10 years after I saw the movie originally, because like some of the, the records that they show at the end of the movie and like the post script where 
Frank Dukes knocked out 56 dudes in a row. Frank Dukes yeah. set the world record for fastest punch with a knockout of 0.12 seconds and then set the, <laughs> the world record kick. for fastest kick at 72 miles an hour because I guess they measure fastest kicks and fastest punches by different metrics. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just... In seedy Chinese uh, gambling rings. Yeah, uh-huh. back gambling rings. They have they have elaborate speed measuring. Also, I don't understand how this form of gambling works where you just hand people money and they hand you a piece of paper. Like, what? How are we deciding? But I see this in like all of these Asian movies. I don't get how it works. Well, it's like that. It's it's the same same mechanic in 80s stock trading things where it's just like corn 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 and people are just sending sending slips of paper back and forth and money is being traded hands very very um (laughs) fast and loose it's exciting to see but yeah i have no idea what's actually happening but i guess maybe i'm not supposed to so yeah Uh, i put in more thought than they did it's not worth it any more final thoughts on bloodsport gentlemen i think it holds up I, th- I think after 30 plus years, it's still a fun, it's still a fun martial arts movie. And I, I enjoyed watching it all three times, uh, this month. <laughs> and I might, wa- I might watch the fourth time before Christmas. Holy shit. Right. Yeah. You got to get at least in before, uh, the January 1st, it goes off Netflix. Oh shit. What? It does? Yeah, yeah I saw that's what that. it was saying when I was watching today. It's like uh, leaves net Jan- January first and leaves Netflix. So you okay. should at least get one more in. I have one final bit of trivia. Um, I would love you guys to guess how many splits Van Damme does in this movie, Ooh, Inclu- including <clears throat> the spinning splits kicks that he does to knock out Chun Li. Mm. <clears throat> I'm gonna guess. Eight. Fucker, motherfucker. Were were you going to say eight? I wasn't going to say eight, but I'm not fucking far off. I was going to say seven. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) It's 11. It's 11? He does does 11 (laughs) splits. He does, like, the training montage splits. There's there's two splits in the training montage. There's two splits where he's in Hong Kong just like when when Jackson comes to get him or when Jackson's injured and he's doing the splits and doing a, a kata, you know, a thousand feet above Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Oh, when he's just meditating. That's a great shot. Yeah. too. Yeah. There's, there's the splits where he punches the dude in the nuts. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the dude catches his leg. Yeah. When So I guess there's two splits in that fight scene. And then there's all, there's, there's a bunch of splits in the Chong Lee fight scene as well, but it's, he makes sure okay. to show off his signature move. <laughs> 11 times. Wow. Um, that's a, I don't feel like that's too excessive. <laughs> I feel, I felt like it was just enough. It wasn't too much. I noticed, every 12 but minutes. I wasn't groaning. <laughs> that's Shit, it. That's I, all I got. I was trying to think of something cool. I guess. On a scale of like a one, rating scale, <laughs> yeah. On a scale of one, one to, to ten, eleven splits that John Claude sure. Van Damme doesn't. <laughs> on a scale of one out of eleven splits, there we go. Ryan, what are you <laughs> rating Bloodsport? All right, so this is kind of 
wonks my ratings scale just by that one point. So uh, I will give it, I think, seven and a half out of 11 splits, which is still, I think, a bit more than average. I really like this a lot. I think this is a great, fun 80s movie. Um, so far, I will go ahead and say I think Predator might be the better made movie. But I enjoyed Bloodsport much more. I just had so much more fun with this. I enjoyed it maybe because of all the surprises in it. But, like, I just, I I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, warts and all, I, I really, really had a good time with this movie. Um, we could nitpick a lot of this apart. But, like, it works in spite of it because just everything is so breezy. Uh, Jean-Claude's charismatic. Uh, it's It's good fun. Good fun. Very nice. I'm going to go ahead and say on this scale with that extra one, that puts me at like nine and a half, I think. I think Bloodsport is fucking awesome. Uh, I did the rare thing that lets me know that I'm really enjoying a movie is when I, I do my hand rub and I did that like four <laughs> times during this movie because I was really excited for some of these fights. So it got, got me up, got me pumped, got me got me stoked. So yeah, I, I fucking loved Bloodsport and I, I'm glad that we got to do this one. What about you, Phil? I feel I feel nine is pretty on the mark. It's I'm not gonna as much as I love this movie. I'm not gonna give it a perfect score because it's not a perfect movie, and I I hate when like dunk contests everyone throws out tens like it's nothing. Yeah. Have some oh! self respect. <laughs> Save a perfect score for a perfect movie or a perfect dunk. Come on. But uh, I will. This movie, like I said, it holds up. It's fun to watch. It's it's easy to watch. So a nine mm-hmm. to nine and a half is right on point. Warts and all. This is like a you know you have you have movie mo- movie characters. You've got models. You've got like beautiful Hollywood people, and then you have real life people with blemishes who are actually <laughs> more attractive than those like overproduced <clears throat> people. And that's what this this movie is. This is a really really. I think I think the imperfections make this a better movie. Full agree. Full agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I love the enthusiasm. God, what a hard sell. I, oh, <laughs> go watch it. this. Go watch this, everyone. <clears throat> if you haven't, Ryan got to experience this for the first time. I love getting and to he talk. Liked it. I love getting to talk with someone who hasn't seen this before. Like everyone. All my all my friends I've grown up with they've they've watched Bloodsport. That's one thing we didn't talk about. President Trump, one of his favorite movies, Bloodsport. Really? Everyone I did not know this that. movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. Trump loves Bloodsport. Let's God all agree damn. as a nation that Bloodsport is a good movie. Go out there and watch it. You've got ten days to do it, people. Yeah. Hey, broken clocks, right? At least twice a day, right? So <laughs> you got to get some of them right. Phil, buddy, thank it you for fucking coming on. It depends on how broken it is. Sometimes a broken <laughs> clock is never right. <laughs> this was This was fun. Thanks for having me on. I, yeah, I feel bad this after is... giving you two crap movies for Stony movie, Stoner Movie September, <sighs> and I was prepared to jump through the screen like Ghost Dad and Strangle Ryan if you didn't <laughs> like this movie. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> It's, it worked out really well. I was I was also very worried that Ryan wasn't going to like Bloodsport because it's generally it's not a Ryan movie checker. But nope. I'm also very glad that he did it 
Phil, you know, you, you've also got to get some small credit. You're you're partially responsible for the creation of this month because you wanted to watch Bloodsport and wanted to come back. And we were like, well, let's put it in December. We got Die Hard. Let's make it a whole month. And so here we are. Beautiful. And, a uh, Christmas tradition is born. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it's going to work out great for all of us because, as we said, we don't want to watch Christmas movies, especially not for this. Nah. So. But, Phil, man, it's always a fucking treat to have you on, even when you do pick shitty movies. I still love talking to you, buddy. Uh, thank you so much. At a, at a, like an hour 48, man, this is one of the longest uh, Experience Grind episodes. So it's all about blood sport somehow. I don't know. But I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Until the next time, I'm Kyle. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And uh, we will split kick you in the face next time. Adios.